heavy on the travel, even though it's a little bit expensive to do that. Uh, do some quick housekeeping, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about uh, the topics of the day, I guess. So uh, if you haven't been, you know, keeping track, all of our stuff here is at mspinitiative.com. And you go to mspinitiative.com under sessions, you'll see this session, every other session in podcast format. And then uh, under Channel Strong, which is what we're on right now, you can see behind me, we're in the middle of setting up Channel Strong Stop here in the uh, Philadelphia area. You can see our upcoming Channel Strong uh, tour week, uh, weeks, uh, was it five, six, seven, and eight uh, for the rest of the year and see where we're going, see if it's nearby. Definitely would love to see you jump out if you're an MSP and it's in your backyard. Oh, there's the bus. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, Drink a little beer, have a sandwich or two, talk shop. We always learn things, which is good. See what's happening, see what's not. Today, we bring back Josh uh, to the call. Uh, Josh has been on before. Josh is from Able Ninja. Is that the, is that the, is that the name now, Josh? Because we're spreading out, spreading our wings? Yeah, yeah. We're, we've expanded our offering to include um, and more RMMs. Right now we have um, in-central services, synchro services, and um, there's a few other RMMs we're looking at as well. And we've indirectly got benefits um, just for branching out into the other RMMs. Cool. So uh, originally you, you kind of came out of ConnectWise land. And, um, you know, with all these RMMs, Josh, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure I already know what your opinion is, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. You know, when Kaseya had their issue, what was it, 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, all of a sudden there's a lot of scrutiny now in the RMM. A lot of people came out and said, do you even need an RMM anymore, right? You can use Intune and, like, some of the Microsoft services. And, like, can you get by without, you know, what we've known as the RMM uh, for many years in MSP land? Um, do you think the feature parity is there? Have you been keeping on top of any of that stuff? Like Lighthouse and you know, what Lighthouse, calling Modern Workplace? Lighthouse, Intune, and Azure, and Office 365, and all of the cloud services and um, multi-tenant functionality that's been coming out from Microsoft to manage environments is certainly changing the landscape and making it so RMMs are being utilized in different ways than they were previously. Now it's more so for auditing and review and confirmation and um, full circle automation to basically um, track and log everything that they're doing against the different equipment that is still physical or um, even virtualized, but being managed by RMM. Um, Of course, you can still get by with Intune and stuff. Yeah, it seems like everybody's announced some sort of integration, right? First, it was Enable. I think IT Glue last week just announced some integration there. Like, everybody seems to be rushing to hook into the API of whatever Microsoft's doing for obvious reason, right? Because, like, keeps them in one place. But, like, how far have you you seen anyone being successful with this stuff? You know, from a... It's, I see everybody successful, but successful in different ways. And um, some environments are mostly hybrid, whereas others are digging into this very, very heavily. And they're, they're doing the VDI thing, Azure um, and O365, and all of it's done through Intune. And they have a lot of their clients on that 
infrastructure, but they have a lot of um, tech baggage from older clients that they still have to maintain and manage with RMM that's on that three-year cycle. So we do have some MSPs that are cycling, cycling away from an RMM, but then they're using other technology to integrate with Azure, Intune, and stuff like that. Like Imibot, as an example, is an automation platform can um, handle a lot of what RMM automation does, but it integrates with um, Intune and stuff like that natively, in addition to ConnectWise and other products and things like that. So we're you, in a period see, of transition. I was gonna say, do you see a future where, I mean, obviously there's other platforms that have come out to do like fast monitoring, right? You've seen you know, fast alerts or Augment or Nuvolux and a bunch of these guys, right, that have come out and tried to, you know, kind of say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna kind of be the fastish RMM style tool. Um, is there? I don't know. Is there a reason that the the RMM manufacturers out there just didn't keep up with this approach? I mean, you would think this is something that you'd be doing natively now. The RMM providers seem to always be focused on their platform rather than using their platform as a content solution. So oftentimes they end up focusing, for instance, ConnectWise put this massive effort into focusing on scale because they had a few partners that were having issues with agent count. Now, that seems like a good idea uh, on paper, maybe, but at the end of the day, I don't think any of those larger partners that they had issues with scale actually switched to their platform that corrects the issues with scale. So they were clearly focused on the wrong thing, at least in that scenario. And um, it doesn't mean that scale isn't important. Everybody wants things to scale, but most partners weren't having issues with scale. That wasn't their problem. Their issue was not enough content, the wrong content on the RMM platform. The defaults would be noisy. They wouldn't have time to get it implemented in a way that it could be meaningful for their services. It's just um, a lot of focusing not on how MSPs are using it. And our team has taken a different approach. We look at, hey, you wanna provide patch management, that seems like something that you know most MSPs will turn on and then forget about it, but that doesn't work. That doesn't achieve good compliance. You have to have a review routine in there. And ConnectWise's approach was everything should be a ticket, but 10,000 tickets are impossible to process. It doesn't make sense. So we've ended up pairing automation to a batched review process that we end up giving to all of our clients that has intelligent automation along the way. So then it ends up being like a half hour each week to maintain and manage that and have better results. So it's about intelligently pairing automation with the way you're delivering services these days where you'll but, achieve but, that. But hold, but hold on, Josh. Microsoft said they're going to they now offer their own patching service. Can you see that? Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I, I don't know if it works. I don't know who trusts it, but apparently you can get it. Yeah. Um, I wonder about it. It's um, one thing that I have seen is we have different MSPs that some patch with RMM, some patch with things like Intune. Others, um, one MSP we work with, actually all they do is they have a script that sets Windows update patching defaults, and then things patch automatically in the background, even for servers, and they end up rebooting during the day and wild stuff like that. So I've seen very interesting um, 
approaches implemented in different environments. Um, and these businesses stay in, yeah, it is a mess. Like people aren't consistent with it. And um, I could say there's many ways to do it um, right now. I would say one challenge that we see on the RMM side is oftentimes they will describe an asset as compliant when it's missing updates. And that's a pretty common problem um, we see. And we've um, come up with ways of monitoring that that's better, but that's something that we see. And we don't know if um, Microsoft's new tools has those same challenges or not. And we don't know what challenges come with them, but as a centralized services team, we're going to be playing with all of those technologies just to see if they can be integrated with the RMMs we work with, or if that functionality should be just done in the new stuff and pulled from the RMM altogether. Sometimes that is our well, recommendation. I mean, I mean, obviously, all of this thought comes after, you know, the RMM is being attacked, right? Like the MSP becomes the attack, you know, vector for the bad guys because they figure, hey, if I, if I get the MSP, then everybody behind the MSP now becomes fair game right to the people who are yep. doing bad things so i mean i know that there's probably best practices to make sure that you're doing the right things and not leaving yourselves open i think i saw in one of the msb geek uh channels the other day like i can't imagine how many can't believe how many uh, lab tech servers still have port 80 open right and it's like okay well like <laughs> like nobody's going back and double checking the guys that were deployed you know forever ago and said hey by the way i know you're trying to update patches when we put them out but we didn't necessarily go back and give you, you know, any, any clear guidance, right? We just expect you to read all the articles that come out of every new release and you're just supposed to follow it, right? We live in a difficult time. It's 10 years ago, we fought script kitties as they were just trying to convince our users to put in their credit card information because they were telling them they had a virus where their fake AV was the virus. And that was a little different than these days where we're fighting other engineers like ourselves that know about tools, technology, they can write their own PowerShell automation and stuff. And we've worked with um, one MSP that um, one of their technicians, all they did was sign into a compromised asset into their Screen Connect instance. The moment they did that, the attackers, of course, had access to their Screen Connect and leveraged it to distribute malware pretty much immediately. But it's things like having, um, you don't sign into um, our tools from customer equipment ever um, is good process and things to do in general to avoid those types of challenges. It's like, don't sign into our stuff from their stuff. We go into their stuff from our stuff every time. And that way you also have the audit trail and things like that as well. Different world we live in. Oh, I get it. I mean, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's going to have to try and keep up with, you know, every, you know, the technology that keeps on rolling out and it, it comes fast and serious. It's just interesting because, you know, Microsoft, you know, kind of rolled, you know, the things that like, I was just talking to somebody other, remember Microsoft security essentials. And now mm -hmm. it's effectively being sold as Microsoft defender now, right. As a separate product, like, you know, like, you know, do you want all of your eggs in one Microsoft basket? You know, because they're they're kind of throwing it in there, right? And some depending on where you are in the skew. So, um, or do you diversify because you don't want all of your eggs in one basket? I feel like Microsoft and any big name company almost gets a pass, right? Well, they're that company, right? So I guess we just have to deal with it. And I feel like that's how you know things ultimately matriculate. Probably not for the best. 
Yeah, it's um, it's like Apple and Apple's operating system used to be um, less attacked because it was less used. It was obscure. Not it wasn't um, necessarily more secure. It was just utilized less. So um, it's malicious uh, malicious actors these days have the security products installed. They know what's there. They just have to come up with a way to go around them. And since they already have the the current state of the security products, once they find a way around it, then they're able to execute attacks pretty rapidly. And it becomes scary, then it becomes known, exploit all that good stuff. Um, I don't know what I'm rambling about. I see see it. No, no, no. I mean, listen, we've heard it many times where a bad guy signs up for a trial of the product that you're using. And as a result, they get to learn how the product works. And then that's how they figure out how to use the product that you got rolled out to get to your customers. Right. I mean, like, it's sad to say that, but that's what happens. It's one amateur attack that we saw. And luckily it was an amateur attack. If it would have been somebody that knew more about the tool, they would have been in a much worse position. But this was a scenario where one of their control user accounts was compromised and a a Russian malicious actor was on um, their control instance recording a video of them like screen connecting into different servers and then closing the session until they found one that was already logged into Windows. And then from that session, they went and copied database and some other things and then sent the the blackmail video out saying, we're going to send this to all of your clients, showing that we got their database and all of this. And we're going to embarrass you by showing you that of us remoting into all of these servers. What the malicious actor didn't realize was from Screen Connect with the user they had, they could have sent PowerShell to every asset they had under control. They didn't because they didn't realize it. Um, but if they would have had that knowledge, if they would have just been a little bit more knowledge, they could have ransomed everything instead of just sent the, sending a blackmail letter saying, hey, we'll embarrass you. So that MSP caught a break. But if it would have been even a minuscule, more knowledgeable person about Screen Connect in that scenario, they would have taken every asset that MSP had and it would have been in, in so immediate so, so if PowerShell's that dangerous, I, obviously it's helpful, but it's also dangerous. I know some people that say disable PowerShell. What do you think about that? I'm all right with disabling PowerShell. I, I like the zero trust model, like some a tool like ThreatLocker or something that blocks anything that isn't approved. I like that. It's nothing is allowed except for what we say is allowed. And then, of course, you'll still have um, vendor-based attacks where somebody came into the vendor's code, but you're not going to have as many direct attacks to you anymore when taking that approach. So, hmm. Interesting. It's just, you know, I feel like there's so many tools now, especially with the security products, right? Like that's created a, like a, a exponential growth in the number of devices and assets and management apps and portals that you have to log into and all this, whatever, right? Like, I feel like the dream of, hey, it's in one pane of glass, never, ever, ever actually happened. I feel like it was a good marketing pitch, but like, are we, I feel like we're further away now than ever. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring that up because a lot of our larger partners that we work with, it's not that they um, work from a single pane, but they have documented SOPs for reviewing 
every individual area of the business and those SOPs basically get automatically funneled to the appropriate team members. So we see um, especially bigger MSPs uh, having much more, um, I, I lost my train of thought there, I'm sorry. Okay, uh, so, and then the other concern is, and I'm sure you've worked with these guys, right? You know, like, I, I hate to I hate to use them, but they did have their conference last week, the Big K team. I know Darren loves those guys. He's on the call. Uh, so they rolled out and they said that they have an RMM. Remember there used to be the PSA migration tools? Like, hey, you can come from wherever you want, and we'll migrate you to. Now they have the RMM migration tool that they're rolling out, right? They're like, oh, if you're on this RMM, you want to go to this RMM, just log in, and we'll transfer everything for you. What do you think about that? I think that would be very arduous to make properly. Um, I think they could easily do like agent deployment, mapping clients and things like that. But as far as being able to intelligently identify if a custom monitor was added to a server to alert, um, if a user wasn't logged in because they had some proprietary application, that's probably going to get lost in the migration, even with that type of tool. And you're going to end up building it from scratch and any one of those types of nuances. We find that oftentimes, especially RMM providers themselves, underestimate the effort required to migrate from one to the other. They think it's this super quick and easy thing. It's, oh, you're going from monitoring to monitoring. It's like, no, what about all of the custom patching policies, all the custom reboot schedules, all the custom deployment automation, all the custom security mitigations that we've applied? And every unique monitor that is customer specific and any customer specific automation, it is monumental to migrate from one RMM to another if you properly used your RMM. Now, if you went 10 years and didn't do much with it, migrating might be easy for you. It might be uh, nothing, but if you had any decent utilization of your RMM, which all of our partners do, it's not a simple thing. Doesn't mean it's not always, it's not a good thing to, to migrate if it's a good decision for you. But we find that many RMMs can achieve the same things. Automate has the most power of any RMM we work with, but it's a little harder to use, so. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So there isn't any official uh, end of life date, but it seems, and that's in my, and again, this is my opinion, take it for what it's worth. I think, I think they're still putting the doors on the car as it's driving down the highway, whatever they're trying to build, okay? Whatever this, hey, let's scale thing. I don't think it's a finished running vehicle. I think they got four tires and a frame and a steering wheel. And like, they're just trying to put it together. But um, a lot of people have a lot of investment into that platform, you know, like, and you know, with, with the other side, right? Yeah, you know, that all the mergers and acquisitions on, like the Kaseya side, for example, who has, you know, Pulseway, who has now, you know, the, you know, the, the, you know, the data RMM, they have, their VSA, which is the one you know that was problematic the you know year or two ago, and then they also have um, I think there's one more in there. I think they have four RMMs underneath the hood, from what I understand. And they're just like, hey, we're keeping all the lights on. You can run them as long. Well. I don't know if they're doing anything with them, but they're still there, right? So like, I can only imagine that no matter how you sit, there's a little bit of concern about, hey, how long is my runway on whatever tool I am, and then. On the flip side, if you're like a larger company who does any kind of merger or acquisition at the MSP level, 
now you have multiple systems, right? <laughs> and, you know, like, that's a little bit of a juggling act, too. How, how does, what do you, I mean, listen, taking your opinion, I don't know, I don't know anything more than probably you know. What, what do you think the runway is? For some of the RMMs, um, for instance, our business has still been growing every month um, for the last few years. Even in the changing markets, it's still growing now. Um, we're very blessed in that regard. Um, we still have clients that are utilizing their RMM pretty heavily, even though there is a transition and ConnectWise is making a big push to um, take advantage of their new acquisition of Continuum. So they're pushing their new RMM, ConnectWise RMM. And we know their sales team is definitely incentivized to push ConnectWise RMM by their behavior alone. We may not have the specifics, but it's very clear they're making a big push into CW RMM. Now, several of our partners were offered free licensing to try it, and they did try it. Not one partner of ours was interested in continuing to use it, even when it was free. Um, so um, our bigger partners that had it are working actively with ConnectWise, including um, to, hey, how's it going? <laughs> um, to try and get the appropriate functionality in there so that they could consider a shift. And that's just to have the consideration for shifting, not actually making the shift. Because again, um, as I described below, but before and earlier, um, migrating from one to another is a lot more than um, RMM providers realize. It's they're assuming that people couldn't use Tony, their products and didn't have anything. I just, I just wanna I just wanna clarify. I just wanna clarify. You have not seen a single MSP move to this in production. Not of our partner base. Um, of the clients that we work with, which are all using Automate heavily. So okay. those that use their RMM properly have no, no interest in shifting. Um, we did help one MSP um, that's a new, that's a managed partner of ours now, but they started on ConnectWise RMM, came to us and migrated from ConnectWise RMM to Incentral. So they were Automate, someone else migrated them to ConnectWise RMM, and then they came to us to migrate them to Incentral. So they made a double jump from Automate to ConnectWise RMM to Incentral. And they are currently shifting their PSA to Autotask from ConnectWise Manage right now um, as well. I think they got irritated with ConnectWise, so, and they made that change as a result. All right, let's, let's ask some, some silly questions. In your opinion, if you're a thousand endpoints and below, what is the easiest RMM to use and why? Synchro, I would say. Um, it is a very simple UI. Um, it includes all of the, the core items that you would need. And the automation platform is good enough to do any of the basics. Um, if you have good PowerShell expertise, you can do some advanced things with it too. It's a good entry level RMM. Synchro is. And then, um, and then I think you already said that the most robust, but also the most complex one to use is what's now automate. Yeah. Yeah. As far as um, the most stable, once it's implemented, I would say in central. Um, in central, will it's on a Linux server. It just keeps going. So it's a stable platform once it's there. Um, we do have some agent health issues like Automate has, but only a little bit comparatively. 
So, and those are with the so big what's, ones. What's the best remote access tool out of all of the apps out there? Screen Connect, hands down. There's almost no comparison. Yeah, it's um, compared to TeamViewer, BombGar, LogMeIn, all of those. It's the Screen Connect's better. And then as far as uh, integratedness, if that's the right word, with you know Azure or Office 365 or you know, that whole ecosystem on the Microsoft side, which is so far the furthest along in terms of integration at the RMM level? Hmm. I would say um, in central is further than automate. Um, I haven't used Kaseya's integration or Atera's. I have to check theirs out. Synchro's is simple right now. So I can't speak to it uh, being very useful yet. Um, I think Emibot has a, it's not a traditional RMM, but it's an automation platform. So I would say it has pretty good integration. Um, that's solid. And uh, um, I would say I've seen some custom integrations that were done pretty well as well, um, but they were owned by individual MSPs. I've recommended they, you know, bundle it, package it up and then sell it. So, but I think like uh, at least one of them is like, no, we like having this is just ours. When somebody makes it a commodity, we'll consider selling it. I was like, that's fair. <laughs> got it, got it, got it, got it. Uh, so I'm gonna, you know, I got a couple guys here live on the on the uh, on the call. So I'm gonna mute them, give them a chance to jump in if they want. Um, hello, everyone. As usual, fun times out in in uh, IT land. First, you know, kind of current event of the day for whatever it's worth. Surprise, surprise, and I haven't even got a chance to give Ken a hard time about it uh, from Pax Eight. Um, the final go live to NCE. That's right. I'm bringing it back up. Did you hear? Suspended indefinitely. What do you got to say about that, Darren? Um, I, I haven't paid attention lately to that. I, uh, I don't even I don't even know what that means at this point. So I mean, given all the stuff we've done on what, it already. What, what, so. that, what, what, what that means is if you had not moved anybody to NCE plans and you're still under the legacy uh, monthly, uh, you know, plan, that those monthly plans will continue indefinitely until whenever Microsoft decides to change your mind again. Yeah, which is, which is really, I mean, it's the worst possible thing they could do in my mind. It's like if they're going to make the change, stick to it and make people go through the motions and the work and everything else. And then, oh, sorry, we're, we were just kidding. I mean, I, I don't, I don't get it. Well, I, I, uh, a couple of people said, "All right, so you're not forcing them to NCE. Does that mean that the pricing doesn't go up?" Right. It does it or no? I don't know. They just announced this yesterday. Because I've been changing people's pricing to reflect what I thought was happening. Right. So I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I anyway. Yeah, I don't even want to. I don't know where. Where's Where's Mr. Patterson? Let's get him. Let's get him. He must know about this. He's, he's putting up tents and chairs, man. He's still in the cooler with ice. Oh, uh, get him over here doing what's important there, George. <laughs> yeah, <fine. laughs> we I'll, want I'll Ken. flag him down. We want Ken. I'll flag him down. I'll flag him down. But I I just want to point out, yeah, this came out yesterday, 
And so this is one of those rare cases where the early bird got screwed. <laughs> they yeah. didn't get the worm, they got screwed. Ugh. Just say That makes you scratch your head and say, what was that all about? I did warn everybody that I had, you know, like if somebody I was helping out doing a favor, kind of family friend, and they went and got licenses, obviously all the new stuff on Microsoft websites, NCE one year, and I put in a ticket under their, you know, their admin, and I just said, hey, can I get out of this? And they're like, yeah, sure, no problem. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on a second. That's not what you're enforcing everywhere else. I didn't even have to ask. I, I, I asked, you know, like a simple question. I didn't push. I didn't ask for a supervisor. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, sure, do whatever you want. And I'm like, that's not good. So there, there it is, guys. That's, that's uh, I would say the Microsoft shoe that has dropped. Never, never good to hear that. I wonder whose customers come back and say, or even if they're paying attention enough, come back and say, hey, you, you upgraded my price, but this has been suspended. Do you think anybody's going to do that? Yeah, no customers are going to have a clue about that. Yeah, probably not. They're not paying attention enough to figure that out. Hopefully they're not watching this, right? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that came out yesterday. I thought that was very intriguing. Uh, and then, of course, you have that, and then we just talked about it last time. You know, they're still moving forward with this, um, you know, it basic, I, have a, I have a striking suspicion that um, Action Pack, you'll eventually not be able to buy Action Pack anymore, right? Like, you, you know, like you already got away of silver and gold and all that other stuff, right? And so I, I really think if you don't, if you haven't renewed your action pack and you're, you know, using those NFR licenses that come along with that, George recommendation for whatever it's worth, renew it early, do it now so that you know they don't come back and say, oh yeah, sorry, you're not going to be able to renew after this point. You know, I'm kind of curious to know more about that because I, I find an awful lot of customers are act, actually action pack people. And I have no opportunity to sell anything Microsoft to them because they're already getting the deal from Microsoft Direct. That happens a you lot. Mean, you mean a lot with users are customers. signing up for action pack? Is that what yeah. you're At one time, Microsoft was courting accountants. And so they came in and said, hey guys, you can go through and you can get all the software and everything else. And so everybody who I had that was an accounting customer was like, suddenly, hey Brent, we get this stuff for free. Wow. I just refused to pick up a customer because they were going through and doing that. I thought, no, if I can't sell you things, I don't want to do anything for you. Wow. Yeah. There, there's one way for uh, uh, a uh, SDR within Microsoft to get some people to sign up. Uh, like, I don't even know how they even get comped on that. I mean, Action Pack, they're giving it away. You know, you know, they tried to take it away. Don't forget. What was it, two years ago? And Inspire, before the pandemic, goes, oh, yeah, we're going to take all those free licenses away. And then, like, you know, the... the yeah, the that, that lasted about, what, three weeks? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it seems like, they, it seems like anything's reversible in Microsoft land all of a sudden. They all laughed at me when we started that petition, remember? Well, nothing's going to change. Why even bother? Hey, surprise, surprise. So, Darren, since you were on a massive shift, on, on a few products there. What's your, what's going to be your RMM when I saw something wrong, buddy? Uh, you know, look, as I've said before, we really like that RMM. I mean, it's, it has worked well for us and 
it I don't know if it'll be in our plan to to replace it at some point. I mean, we'll have to see what happens. It, it's um, open to it, but it's it's lower on the list um, than other stuff that we're working on. So, didn't you didn't you see didn't you see Fred's keynote? He said he was going to drop the price of everything by ten to twenty percent. Well, it was. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I didn't see the keynote, but but the article. It was. Yeah, I mean. I'd like to see that actually happen. I'd be for somebody track and see what actually happens with that. So I don't know. Josh, what's your opinion on Datto RMM? What's, how what's your experience with it, buddy? It's the next RMM our business is taking on is Datto RMM. It's um, for uh, as far as RMM transitions that we see from one to another, those that stick the most, like stay, like after they go and they're content, are transitions to Datto. Those seem to be pretty consistent. So Datto has a good RMM right now. It's actually the next we're digging into. Um, when we first started working or trying to work with Datto, the Datto sales or executive group we worked with didn't trust our team. They thought we were um, ConnectWise loyalists trying to steal their information. So I don't know if they'll um, see us that way anymore since we have multiple brands now on multiple RMMs. But when we first approached them, which was back when we started in Central, we were debating on doing in Central or Datto. And because Datto, um, their executive team wasn't on board with us, we went with uh, Incentral, who was, and Incentral was very supportive of our efforts to um, help their customers. And um, they gave us lots that, of resources that, to do so. Not, not trying to be, you know, funny, but the people you're talking to are going to be different people on the data side, as we know. So yep. we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Have you, has anyone, have you looked, anyone looked at Ninja, Ninja RMS? It's came a ways. It's actually um, gotten better. It's um, I wouldn't have uh, recommended it last year, um, but over the last year, it's made some good progress. It's an RMM I would consider these days. Um, and I like the branding. I, I may be partial to that. Just just a little bit. Brent, what are you using over there? Oh, Brent, Brent wants to go take a bathroom break. That's <laughs> okay. Um, so the the other thing that's you know you know a couple other things that are coming back. So Dell says that you know uh, PC and peripheral stuff starting to come back to earth, right? Uh, yeah, I know a lot of people are saying they had a hard time getting stuff in a reasonable amount of time. Um, are you guys still seeing really long lead times out there on your orders or? You still having a lot of back orders that haven't been fulfilled? Are you still hearing four months out? What's everybody hearing on hardware? I know Darren's been trying this new this new company that makes their own stuff, which is nice. Well, How's that, how did that server project go? Well, Carbon is great. We're very happy with Carbon. Um, we will use them again. In fact, I think we will be using them exclusively for servers now. It, well, meaning we'll be done with, with Dell for servers. Um, it's always been a bit of a struggle with Dell for that. And we don't get that many of them um, getting a configuration. We want getting it, getting it built the right way, having it arrive the way that we wanted it. It's even been an issue sometimes. Um, so we're, we're really happy with what carbon did for us and we will use them again. We have a couple more to do this year, so they're going to be our, our pick for that. 
Awesome. That's scary. That's cool. Um, you've seen a lot of people, for whatever it's worth, and I, I want to pick your brain on this, Josh, on the uh, on the Azure and AWS kick, right? I mean, obviously, a lot of MSPs are in Microsoft land, so they naturally veered that way. But you've seen a lot. Of, and then there's obviously you know, tools that kind of simplify things out there, like Nerdio and a couple others that do similar things. You know, what are you seeing, Josh? Are, are you seeing people doing virtual PC SKUs and Azure? And are they still deploying the RMM? Because Microsoft's kind of like rolling in into into the into the you know the deployment of that by default now. I see a blend. Um, some are still being deployed with RMM, and others are being managed exclusively from Intune. Um, so we've seen a blend of both. Um, in this, and it, I think it oftentimes relates to how they're managing the VDI devices and keeping them up to date and things like that. Usually they just update the image and push it. So it just depends on what they're up to. But we do have some that um, even on all their virtual devices because all of their processes and SOPs are around their RMM, um, they still deploy their RMM. Interesting. So, you know, I mean, if they have the agents, I'm sure they're deploying them, right? I mean, it almost makes sense to just run them side by side. I've never heard of a conflict between an RMM agent and, a, and an Intune or something like that. They seem to no. sit side by side. So, well, sometimes, you know, unless, we see, uh, sometimes we'll see issues with um, like Mac sign up with Automate specifically. So if a bunch of assets are VDI devices, they may have identical Mac addresses in certain cases, and that can cause issues with Automate's agent sign up routine. So we see that from time to time. And in those scenarios, we recommend they either adjust the approach to the Mac changes or um, manage with Intune instead. But then again, it I mean, makes their management inconsistent. They're trying to keep it not a single pane of glass, but just so that even if the technologies are managed by the uh, different technologies, that the way their team supports it is the same. So the, the support method doesn't change between them. Has anybody played with Adigy, right? I mean, they kind of were, you know, the Mac Apple version of everything else because everybody else does not great in Apple land. Is it, does it work well? Is anybody, is it good? People love and hate Adigy at the same time. It seems to be the way to manage Mac devices properly. It's like other RMMs have touched on Macs, but their Mac agents are always, you know, partially featured or inconsistent. Yeah, exactly. And Adigy seems to be the way to do it, but I find that MSBs that are using it have a love-hate relationship with it. So. Um, yeah, we don't I mean, have very I mean, much I experience still, with it. We only have a little. Yeah, I mean, listen, I still think there's what? I'm going to say 10% or below, right? You know, MacBooks and, and the desktops and, and, you know, like whether it's design people, video people, whatever, right? They're out there, right? But it's majoritively Windows. I, I still think that's the case. Uh, I felt like for, for a minute there, Mac was making a huge push and then, you know, kind of went the other way pretty, you know, like right after. So, especially in business land, at least. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I feel like they never plugged that gap. I feel like that's what gave somebody like an adage room to kind of pop up on the scene because nobody ever really got that part right. Yeah. And I think it's 
Apple made it so some of the things are difficult to do on their platform, like um, automated issues with their agent update routine because Apple wouldn't um, sign or authorize the upgrades in a way that would allow them to be implemented in a streamlined way. Basically, it would always come up with prompts saying, hey, this is unapproved software, are you sure, and all of that. And in turn, it just couldn't be done seamlessly, unfortunately. And it was just because ConnectWise didn't have the reputation in Apple Sport to Got it. get that changed. I mean, at this point, right, is it the, what is it, Mass360? Is that still the leader in the clubhouse for tablets, mobile devices, that kind of thing? Because, like, again, nobody really nailed the, the mobile device thing either. I don't know if there's really any good mobile device management out there. There's stuff there, but I don't know how much like an MSP actually uses it. I don't know anybody that's actually in the MDT, I mean, the MDM world right now. I mean, I've had several MSPs try it and then be like, you know, we have a few BYOD devices, but it's almost like they're intended to be unmanaged assets, oddly. And um, like add your, add your email and have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. Like, leave me alone. Yep. <laughs> yeah. um, and I don't know until, if that's right or wrong, um, but yeah, it's that's what I'm seeing. And I, I think nobody's done it right yet. And it's hard um, because you got consumer personal privacy with the bring your own device and then changing their data as the MSP as a middleman. Uh, all of a sudden it's you're, you're breaching into personal data of your end clients users. And that's just gets nerve wracking to manage unowned assets. No, I understand that. I understand that. What are you, what are you seeing? Like, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of people latch on the break gauge before, you know, continuum and then connect wise, but like, a lot of people have been doing Power BI. A lot of people have been doing their own SQL stuff. Like, because like ultimately there's all this data that is kind of islanded between every product. And there's so many products and it doesn't always make it into the RMM. So how do you centralize that? I, I don't know if there's other good tools out there other than kind of building something your own. What are you seeing? That's one challenge that happens in the managed services space is you end up with islands of data segregation and you have integrations between some products. And what I usually recommend is um, that an MSP makes ConnectWise manage the heart, the information store for their business or IT glue or um, you know the documentation platform be the heart and be like, this is the where we're, we're, our goal is to get all information into here. So usually it's into the PSA or into the um, documentation platform itself is where that ends up going. And um, I feel, I feel yeah, like the right. hardest part is to create any manageable or even just consumable, understandable reports that you can hand to your end customer on any regular basis and say, Hey, all your stuff's working. Check it out. There's some pretty stuff that shows you that, like, you know, we got all these check boxes for you. It sounded great, by the way. It sounded like everybody had something like this, but that's not true. I feel like it never really became real. It's interesting you say that because I agree. Um, it's like an executive overview or an executive summary report that's meaningful 
and useful that provides information on like what's been done and why a lot of the out of box reports um, with a lot of RMMs and dashboards and things like that um, oftentimes have bad data in them, which gives clients anxiety. So if you don't know how to clean out that bag of bad information, it ends up creating unnecessary anxiety, defeating the entire purpose of the report, which is to try to give them confidence in the fact that you're doing services for them in a good and meaningful way or providing services in a well way for them. Um, now, uh, yeah. Um, I'm still with you. You lost your train of thought? Again, yeah, I'm losing it over and over again. I'm a narcoleptic, I can't help it. I micro sleep about 30 times a minute. Okay, so do you have you run into any products out there? I know there's like a couple guys, I think, you know, Lifecycle Insights is one. Lifecycle Insights is a good one. There's a, there's a few products out there that seem to try and make this better. So Lifecycle Insights, I love that one for a number of reasons. They made a QBR, um, like uh, budgeting, um, product lifecycle um, management utility um, called Lifecycle Insights. And initially they made it for those purposes, but along the way they realized that there was a lot of bad data in all of the tools. And that was a big hurdle for them um, getting people on their platform in a satisfied way. So they ended up creating a bunch of data visualization modules for the way that they configure and utilize their products. So Lifecycle Insights ended up being not only a QBR and a uh, like a equipment lifecycle thing for doing with your clients, but it also ended up being like a data cleanup utility because it would guide you into seeing where your data was off. So I think Lifecycle Insights is a brilliant tool for doing that. And visualizing data is very important. Bright gauge can be used in the same way, but it has to be looked at with the intent of, hey, we're doing this because we want to eventually generate this report, but we know we have some cleanup and tech baggage that we have to go through our environment before we can use that report. So, so let's, let's switch on to like cool products that have popped onto the scene. I'm getting a lot of buzz about Roost. Have you checked it out? About what? Roost. Kind of like an automation platform. Yeah. I've not heard of it. I would love to know yeah. more. All right. Put that one on your to-do list to check out. And then you said you've been doing some stuff with Emmybot. Emmy hmm. is a cool platform as well. So I don't think people realize what it is. Can Maybe can explain it better. I will do my best and um, to explain Emmybot. Emmybot is um, was originally built by Darren to help with uh, deploying um, computer configurations, like PC imaging, um, kind of like here's a PC build for the accounting team at client A. Here's um, a PC build for engineering at um, client B, here's one for executive at client C, but it basically allows you to build um, computer profiles, which include um, Windows configurations, um, applications and deployment things. And you can basically mass roll out um, an implemented uh, config profile for a machine. So it ends up being able to 
automate the configuration of equipment essentially and uh, okay have you what about what about this other one called like i know this is confusing because of all the information i guess came out of that last connectwise event so there's a company called third wall and mm -hmm. then there's a company called fifth wall so i guess there's a lot of walls um have you looked at third wall before third wall is cool um third wall is um, a custom plugin in Automate that was designed to include a bunch of um, security type functionality and monitoring so that you can roll and logging for to, to meet compliance requirements around security. So a lot of what they do inside the plugin is logging, hey, these was this these settings were turned on on this equipment on these dates. Because you have to log when and thing when security policies were applied, when you started monitoring things, depending on the different compliances that you have to meet. So third wall is a cool product in um, that regard in the sense that it does a lot of those things and it was designed to allow you to build a security profile and then apply it out to your clients. And you can make exceptions or differences on a per client basis if you need to, but you can predefine um, essentially packages. And they have um, things like uh, USB wall functionality where you can improve um, certain USB devices and other devices are not approved. So they won't open, et cetera. That way, um, if you have um, data conscious clients where their data is super valuable and can't leave the network, you would use their um, disable USB functionality and stuff like that. But they have things where they can delete, um, disable access to social media, regular security mitigations, um, account management stuff, um, logging around admin changes. Um, they have a ransomware monitor. I don't know how well it works um, for modern ransomware, but I think it still works. It's essentially the um, canary in the mine um, style um, where it creates um, fake files. And if they start changing, um, it's an indicator that, hey, encryption has started and that's a bad thing. So they've added functionality around monitoring things and then um, remediating in some cases as well. So third wall is a pretty cool product. Um, cool. Now, I guess fifth wall is the insurance, cyber insurance broker now that ConnectWise has partnered with as part of this thing that they announced uh, was last month or this uh, earlier this month, right? Cool. I don't know too much about fifth wall. I do know that um, when I worked at ConnectWise, we were pushing pretty heavily to build relationships with cyber liability insurance providers so that they could better help. Um, ConnectWise's partner base. So that was something that Got was it. being pursued, but that was again, six, seven years ago. It seems like they made some good progress though. And they have some relationship with Nord called Fifth Wall, but I'm going to dig more into that. But that seems, that's actually one thing I did want to mention. This is something that we see for some of our um, partners that are growing pretty rapidly, that they have specific relationships with cyber liability insurance companies. And the cyber liability insurance company is actually referring their clients to the MSP to get their technology um, in line to meet the insurance requirements. So the insurance provider is actually recommending business to the MSP and, um, and vice versa, actually. So yeah, that's a I synergetic mean, I, relationship. I, I mean, yeah, if you can, 
I mean, I, I don't know. I usually would think that when a, a customer calls to report their issue, right, and trigger their insurance, like that's happening outside of probably the individual agent, right? But um, I don't know. Maybe maybe the, the agent's really tied into that, right? Because they get yeah you know, scored as an agency as well, right? So yeah, if you can get in with the insurance companies, yeah, that's awesome. I know I know some MSPs, and we learned this, you know, throughout the last year or two. You know, they started offloading some of their available time to do like remediation and incident response work, meaning like they weren't the, you know, I'm going to use a construction company, you know, kind of verbiage. They weren't the GC, right? They weren't the people that were originally called in to like figure out what the deal was and, and like get the customer's security situation solved. They were the people that came in behind them to like reset everything, you know, re-image all their machines, re get them back online, right? And kind of do that work as part of the remediation service. Yeah. So that's definitely an option, right? Not reoccurring per se, but a lot of project-based revenue, which uh, is a little bit counter to what everybody's been, been trained to do as a managed service provider, or at least, you know, for the last 10 years. <laughs> Yeah, that's the um, been going to this hey recurring flat flat rate model for a bit, and it's not always flat yeah. rate. Sometimes uh, pricing models vary pretty wildly. Hundred percent, hundred percent. A little bit of time here. Then anything. So you said some people build some cool stuff around, you know, three six five and Azure and that kind of stuff. What other cool stuff have you seen people build? Right. I mean. You know, like the company, you know, the MSPs that have development resources internally, they like to tinker. Yeah, um, the cooler things I've seen in recent days, um, I saw a backup management dashboard that was completely custom. And um, it was designed in a way that it was alert of problem, recommendation and next steps, and in addition, it had buttons to trigger the actions to the right. So it was. Uh oh, don't worry. Go grab that door. Darren, did you want to announce your news to the world, buddy? You cracked the 100,000 point threshold? No, I did. I, that's just lifetime. I mean, I, I, I don't, I have to have them active in my account for, I'll get close though. I'm, I'm, Making another push this weekend. Li li so. Hey, li life lifetime matters. Lifetime matters. You cracked a yeah, hundred thousand Chick Fil A boy. Yeah, it's an actually, exclusive yeah. club. <laughs> I'll get there. I mean, but JP has his both feet. You know that. We will. That will change. That will change. Okay, uh, that's a challenge. Josh, you a Chick Fil A guy? Again, I missed that. Are you, are, are you a Chick-fil-A guy? I like Chick-fil-A. Okay. I don't think I have any near me, though. Um, I live kind of out in the boonies. Ah, so, yeah, Chick-fil-A to use, like, in and out for me. I got to make a special trip to get there. Yeah, and, it's, uh, anyway, I usually cook. <laughs> back, yeah, oh, that's good. Back, back to cool things that you've seen people build. Yeah, backup review dashboard was pretty cool. And I like how they paired their processes right into the alerted problem, the visualized alerted problem. So when they would have a new person that's coming on into their business, 
they wouldn't need to ask, oh, how do I solve or what do I do with this particular problem? Because they fed the SOP right in their dashboard. So I thought that was done very, very elegantly. Um, I've seen another um, MSP that we worked with had um, a customized alerting system um, that would automatically bring in their on-call reps. And it had different routines for each one of their colleagues because each colleague uh, had different sleeping patterns. One would be like, you have to call like five times in a row. And, but they had logic in there where it would literally loop through phone calls to the same person because they were hard to wake up and things like that. I thought that was interesting and intriguing. But a lot of, um, uh, for instance, uh, one thing that uh, MSPs that work with us, we like to visualize um, our processes. So we have um, script created HTML audits that basically scans your database for information in it and then pulls out information in a visual audit. And that includes um, ad approved admin account audit. And this basically scans for all admin users across um, a client's environment, identifies every administrator account that exists, and then compares it to a list of approved admins. And if they're not in the list of approved admins, they get documented as being on the device as an unapproved admin. We have further automation that can auto disable those accounts um, in addition to that, um, but we normally don't implement it until everybody has all the approved admins documented. But it serves as um, uh, we built that and distributed it to all of our clients because we work with an MSP that works with defense contractors here in the US and they were obligated to do it that way. So, cool. I mean, it's amazing when you actually have the time and the capability, you can actually do cool things. I feel like we're so busy running the day to day. You don't get into the lab to be able to experiment like that. Yeah, I think you always have to be thinking, how can I make this next process better? Either improve its quality and make it so it takes less time to deliver or it's improve it so it can at least be delivered consistently. Um, so, and I think totally a lot of agree. pairing process and automation, I think is a, a lot of what gets that done. and. ConnectWise is good at doing wow. that. Um, IT Glue and stuff like that's good at doing it as well. It's the marketing dream, whether we get there or not, to defend animal, I think. No. Uh, all, all things considered, where do people find you, Josh? I am all over. Um, uh, AbleNinja.com, I go to events. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, feel free um, to go to our website and call our line there. You can reach me there. Just say, hi, I want to talk to that Josh guy. My team will get you in touch with me. We're pretty Happy easy going. If you, send him some, if you send him some Chick-fil-A, he might actually hook you up, huh? Absolutely. I like chicken. <laughs> All good. Guys, thanks for tuning in. This session will be posted uh, a little bit later on MSPNition.com and the podcaster. Um, otherwise, stay tuned. Tuesdays, Thursdays, 1 o'clock Eastern time. And... Check out channelstrongtour.com. You'll see one of the various stops. Hopefully we're in your backyard somewhere. Come out and join us and stay tuned for some cool MSP community block parties that are coming up later on this year. I promise. I know I've been hyping them for a while, but totally worth the hype. You'll see. Don't worry. Just keep tuned. Thanks a lot, guys.